Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. I'm here with Lynn Franklin, neuroscience nerd and persuasion expert, along with being an author. And I'd like to start with a story instead of a traditional introduction. I asked Lynn about a time when she really needed to be more persuasive at work. She said it was when she was a counselor in a home for troubled boys. One of her kids, a 14-year-old named Fred, threatened to kill her with a machete. Then Fred chopped the phone cord, Lynn's only lifeline, and told her if she tried to call for help, he'd cut her too. 20 minutes later, after she did some fast talking and sweat through everything she had on, Fred gave her the knife. Lynn said that's the litmus test for her job. As long as no one pulls a machete on her, she's having a good day. That's what qualified her to write the book called Getting Others to Do What You Want. Lynn also has a, given a TEDx talk that, on how to be a mind reader. This has gone viral with over 2.6 million views. Lynn, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Mark. To get started, what do you, as far as looking back at speaking career, whether it's just getting started or getting over the hump of, you know, speaking for free or cheap to getting paid a regular, re regular rate, what are a, a few of the biggest lessons that you've learned that you'd like to share with uh, those, you know, the up-and-coming authors, I mean, the up-and-coming speakers? Thanks, Mark. And, you know, and some of it is <laughs> keep going. It's the old Winston Churchill quote about when you're going through hell, keep going. Because there are so many times when you, when things don't happen as quickly as you would like, and you think about giving up. And because I'm a neuroscience nerd, one of the things I know is that when your brain is trying to solve problems, what it does is it relies on the tried and true. So it sorts through all the things that you've done in the past that have worked for you and, and begins there. Because if your brain doesn't have to think really hard, it can keep doing the things it's always done. But the scoop is when you get to the point where you feel like giving up, keep going because what ends up happening is that your brain casts about for other things that are not the tried and true. And that's where you get those aha moments and those insights. And you start looking more from your left brain to your right brain. And you come up with the unusual and unique approaches to do things. And some of it, too, is that when you find that stuff, it inspires you to keep going. And so for me, oftentimes it was picking up the phone and calling somebody who was already doing what I was doing or was at a higher level and saying, I'm stuck and I, you know, I need some help or have you, what, what have you done when you've been in this situation? So it is the persistence and it's also reaching out to people who know more than I do and benefiting from their experience. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm involved, or one of the reasons I'm involved with NSA, National Speakers Association, Illinois chapter, because I get to hang around with people who are smart and have good ideas that then I can take and make my own. So keep going and hang out with people who know more than you do. When you, so you're saying your brain will actually recognize new opportunities? Right. Right. So, and part of it is when you get that new information from other people, I, I don't attract business the way anybody else exactly does in NSA that I've spoken with, but there have been things that people have said, this is what I do. And I thought, well, I tweak it and I do it this way. And, you know, and, and that becomes the, the springboard for finding a new way to do things. 
Oh, so that's why you keep going because then your brain starts to say, well, I may as well, you know, hey, here's an opportunity, here's something there. Where if you don't keep going, your brain just says, okay, if you quit, I quit. Yeah, it, it says, obviously, it's, it's not a solvable problem. Uh, let me find something else to do. And because I've owned my own communication uh, coaching and consulting business for upwards of 26 years now, there have been plenty of times where faced with a challenge, I thought, well, maybe I should just go get a real job. And every time I have that feeling, and I know other speakers have had that too, it's the you keep going and you know, and things show up for you. It's it's you know, and I and I believe in the you know the positive mindset thing, but at the same time, I don't believe that sitting in my office and thinking good thoughts is going to make my phone ring. So when it's when my phone is not ringing, then what is it that I can do? to make that happen, and a lot of times it is as simple as picking up the phone and admitting to somebody else, I'm not having a particularly good day, and I'm looking for a little inspiration. You know, what, what have you done that's worked well, or you know, what, has, what has helped you turn the corner, and take that information, and then dump it in my brain, and let it mull around for a while, and see what comes out. So what do you do, what could speakers do when they do hit that lull of uh, not getting as many gigs as I want? I'm, you know, as far as be, if there's anything outside of cold calling or maybe that's what it is, what are some things that you that have worked for you? It's like I'm in a lull and I've got to get more clients in the door. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, first take a deep breath because <laughs> there's nothing like desperation to turn off any opportunity. There have been points, and I'm sure it's happened to you, Mark, and I'm hoping it's happened to, well, I'm sorry if it's happened to people who are listening, but you you stand in the doorway of a networking event, and you look around at people, and you think, I what I really need is a new client. And when you have that vibe of desperation, it just turns off everybody in the room. And you know, And, and my reference point to this is, a song from an old musical called A Chorus Line, which is about a bunch of dancers who are trying to get into the chorus in a Broadway program. And there's one person who sings, I really need this job. Oh, God, I need this job. You know, and I've stood in the, you know, in the networking situation and had that thought. And I really, you know, anybody who wanted to talk with me would run in the opposite direction. So part of it for me, and if we're just talking about networking and welcoming new opportunities then, it truly is the, I don't go to networking events to find new business. The goal I set for myself in advance is usually something akin to, I want to have three interesting conversations and walk away with the name of one person I'd like to meet again. So some of it is setting realistic goals. Because if I set the goal of I want to meet three new clients, that's not going to happen because I have yet to go to a networking event where I've walked away with three clients. So set goals that are achievable, number one. That are, uh, that are achievable and as far as, well, a better question. With networking, if you're going to learn something and you're not going to get business, so many people look at networking events as I'm going here to get business. Where does the business, I would imagine someone would think, okay, well, if, it's not, if I'm not going to a networking event to get business, where do I go to get business? Mm-hmm. Well, and frankly, what you do for a, a, a you do with networking events or what I do with networking events is I go there to look for people once again that I want to speak with again and so here's an example a week ago Thursday I was at a networking event and was on my way out because my ride was leaving 
And I ended up walking into a group of, of three people and said, sorry, I didn't get the chance to, to chat with you. you know, could, could you tell me a little bit about yourself before my ride leaves? And, and all three of them, I said, tell you what, let me get your card and let me call you back and let's have the conversation that we weren't able to have tonight. And this morning, I ended up having a, a chat with a fellow who has a human resources consulting practice, learned what it was that he does first, because that's the first thing you do is you listen. Because what ends up happening are a couple of magical things. Number one, you learn about this person, and in this instance, what, you know, what's important to him. And that's a data point for me, which means that when it's my turn to speak, I'll already know something that is going to interest him because I've listened first. And the second thing that happens, and in neuroscience it's called the rule of reciprocity. So I let this man talk, oh, for probably about 10 minutes on the phone and listened and asked questions. And after those 10 minutes have gone by, he said to me, you know, it's really been kind of you to listen to what, what I'm talking about. Now I'd love to learn more about you. When you listen first, what ends up happening is you build goodwill for the person who's been speaking. And then this man actually wanted to know what I had to say. And by the end of this phone conversation, he was not my client, but he knew several other people who might be able to work with me and promised to make those introductions. So the reason you go to networking events is that you want to build up the number of people who know who you are. And frankly, the number of people you know, because people will come to you with a problem that you don't solve, and you can say, hey, well, I know this person. Who can, who can probably help you out. So when you want to get more speaking engagements, a, a line I've heard that's been really useful to me, particularly when I'm feeling stumped, is activity begets activity. Meaning if I'm sitting and doing nothing and worrying, nothing good is going to happen. But if I make phone calls and talk with people, number one, that raises my energy level because, as you can tell, I love to talk about what I do. And I'm also interested <laughs> in other people. And I'll make some connections, and those things can lead to business. So pick up the phone and talk oh, to so somebody. Oh, so on those days where it's slow, instead of picking up the phone just to try and pitch, which would come down to that the desperation mode of, hey, I need a gig, hey, I need a gig, pick up the phone and genuinely connect with people. Maybe it will have nothing to do with business development, but it, maybe it's just, hey, we haven't talked for a few months and I wanted to check in, and then that's how the magic can happen if that person happens to say, by the way, what are you working on these days? They might be able to refer you business, but the call is not a call to say, give me business, if I hear you right. That, that's perfect. And, and I've seen other speakers who have actually segmented their call list. And you know, uh, one group will be companies that they've never worked with before, people they've never worked with before that they would like to work with. A uh, second group is people who know you but have never worked with you. The third group is people who have worked with you in the past and have, are not working with you now. And the fourth group is people who are working with you now. So you can take a look when you make your phone calls, which group do, does this particular person fall into? And you can be more strategic that way. And you know, at the same time, if, there are, if, there, if there's a friend you know, if you're having that dark night of the soul and there's a, phone, a, a friend you can call and have a conversation to give you more energy to then conduct those other phone calls, hey, do it. But the, the whole thing is it's very hard 
when you're facing a difficult situation like finding business and it's not falling as quickly as you want, it's very hard to whip yourself up into a positive attitude by yourself. So oftentimes having a conversation with somebody who knows you and knows your value and you know, there's sometimes I pick up the phone and I say, hey, I, you know, I need a buck up and I know the, the people who call for that and at the same time there are people I know who do the same thing with me, that they're not having a particularly good day. You know, can I remind them of their value? Things don't change if you're sitting by yourself. You can raise your energy level by talking with other people and you know, and does it lead directly to business? Sometimes, but it certainly leads directly to having a better mindset so that you can pick up the phone and call or go to those networking events and not run around feeling less than. And along the lines of reaching out to people for help or just to bring your energy up, it sounds like whether it's a one-off or an ongoing relationship with mentoring in the speaking world, what's your experience been with that? You know, and, and I'll be straight with you. I have not had uh, had mentoring in my personal, you know, corporate business or my entrepreneurship or in speaking so much. And, you know, and, and frankly, when I've needed that kind of stuff, I've gone out and, you know, and taken programs on speaking. But I'm shifting that. So for the, for the first time, I have a business coach. And I said to her when we struck up our relationship after having done my research, which included, by the way, asking other people who are speakers, who are you working with, how is that working out for you, and, and what are you getting out of the relationship? When I set things up with, with my coach, I said, I need to be held accountable. I need to think bigger about my business. And I also need somebody who's going to be able to say to me, guess what? These are the great things you're doing because I have a – I do not have a tendency to celebrate my successes. And sometimes I just need somebody to stop me and say, you know, that was a really good thing, or that was a fascinating idea, or I think that's a, a great topic that you can be doing something on, or just congratulating me on something. Those are the things that I need from a business coach in addition to tracking my numbers and, you know, and holding me accountable for the number of phone calls I do make every day and the things I'm doing to reach out and, and start my, you know, and, and to keep going with my business. So know if you, you know, know if you need a shot in the arm, which is what a program does, or know if you need an ongoing relationship. And if you can have a mentor, great. Or if you want to have a business coach and set the parameters of that relationship, do that. It's, you know, it's whatever is going to keep your energy level higher. And, and once again, celebrate the successes. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time seeing my progress when I'm in the middle of something. And to be able mm -hmm. to turn to people and have them say, yeah, well, remember where you were a year ago or two years ago and where you are now or what you're charging for your programs now. One of, one of the questions you asked earlier was, how do you move from, from free to fee when it comes to speaking? You know, and, and some mm -hmm. of it truly is holding that vision in your brain of this is where I am now. And, and maybe you've heard of the line about you don't, you, know, you don't write goals as though they're something you will accomplish. You write them as though you have already accomplished them. And what you're doing is you're feeding your brain. In, you know, okay, so this is my neuroscience nerd nature again. What I know <laughs> about your con you have two minds. You have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind wants you to get what you want. 
but you literally have to tell it. So one of the things you could say to your subconscious mind is, I want to raise my speaking fee to $5,000 per, know, per program uh, over the course of the next year. I want to have an average number of 5,000. And that's one thing. Make it more powerful by saying, I am a $5,000 speaker. And what happens is that when you say that, and you literally write it down longhand, because that moves things from your, from your conscious mind into your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind hears, I am a $5,000 per gig speaker. And it starts chewing on this and trying to find ways to help you get there. So for example, your conscious mind can process, oh, anywhere from 10 to 50 bits of information per second. Your subconscious mind can process, depending upon what research you believe, you know, over 14 million bits of information per second, which means your subconscious mind knows a lot more than you know it knows. So for example, right now, one of the things your subconscious mind knows is how your butt feels in the seat where you're sitting or how your feet feel on the floor where you're standing. And now you're thinking about that, aren't you? That information was there, but you didn't ask for it, so it didn't get sent up. What ends up happening is that when you say, I'm a $5,000 per gig speaker, your subconscious mind starts looking around for ways to make that happen. And those kinds of opportunities also start bubbling up in your brain. So that connects to the old positive mindset. But what it's doing is it's using your conscious mind and your subconscious mind to help you get what you want. But you literally have to say these things to yourself to find those opportunities that are actually lurking in your own brain. So many people, I don't think, <clears throat> realize that or decide to look within themselves for opportunities. And with what you're saying, there's so much information stored. If I hear you right, whether it's, oh, people I know, and oh, you get the, that spark of maybe I should call Joe or maybe I should call Jill. But it's because if you're feeding your subconscious mind good stuff and the questions or I am doing this, you're actually putting it to work and if I'm, if I'm correct, it's going to be working anyways. You may as well have it working in a good space instead of a bad space. Right, and, and you raise a good point because your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between a positive message and a negative message. So if you're in your office saying, nobody's going to say yes to me as a speaker today, what ends up happening is that your subconscious mind hears, nobody's going to say yes to me, and it will find ways for you to shoot yourself in the foot. You have to be very careful about the messages that you, that you feed your subconscious mind because it will get you what you're asking for, plus or minus. And once you start getting good stuff, how, you just keep feeding your subconscious mind those kind of thoughts. One thing, things start to happen. People tend to have these ups and downs and hills and valleys. How can you create more hills or make, make the good stuff more steady? And, you know, unfortunately, once again, NSA Illinois has wonderful programs about how to attract business. But one of the things I know most speakers and, you know, and sometimes I fall down on is the follow-up work. So you've gotten a paid speaking gig, let's say. It was your goal to have $5,000 paid speaking gig, and you got one. And what happens when the gig is over? And a lot of us, you know, say what thank you very you much. What do you do? Yeah, we, you could send a card or whatever, and then you move on to the next thing. And 
At the same time, there are all kinds of opportunities for you to continue to mine that relationship because now you have somebody who saw what you did and know you do a good job. So I say, do the follow-up even before you do the gig. So set the expectations. It could be that one of the expectations that you set is that the person who has hired you or the people or a certain number of people who participate in the program will write a LinkedIn testimonial for you and you bake that into your contract. And obviously it's dependent upon whether or not they really enjoyed or, or benefited from the program that you, that you provided. And that's what I do. So already in my contract is, you know, the person, you person who hired me, I expect you to do a LinkedIn testimonial for me. And so that becomes one of the bits of follow-up. Another one is, or, and another one I, I bake into my, you know, my contracts with people is that they will refer me to, you know, three different other you know, associations or corporations or organizations who could hire me as a paid speaker. And, you know, and what they do then is, and I will actually write the introduction note for them if they want, because that increases the chances it will happen. We all know that if somebody else does our homework for us, it's more likely to get done. And so in, mm. in this instance, you know, if, if they are happy, I, I ask them if they would if they would feel comfortable referring me to, let's say, some national association. And they say yes. And then I create what it is they're going to send to the national association because they know the people there. And it's some kind of note about, hey, Lynn really did this program. Here's the value that we got from it. And I just wanted to let you know who she is. You know, and then it becomes my job to follow up. So once again, do the follow-up, but seed it before you actually do the program. You know, and then do good things. Every time I do a speaking gig, I send a handwritten note afterward, thanking the people and, and reminding them of something, some personal tidbit that they've shared with me during the process of, of working together so they know that this is not something that just comes out of me can't that this shows that I do remember them and I do hold them in esteem. And, you know, and once again, to follow up for those testimonials and follow up for those, you know, the linkages to other opportunities. And, and once again, also make sure, although it's not, you know, in a heavy sales environment, that you let people who come to the program know that you do this for a living and that you may be able to help them too. There have been a number of times when I've been invited back to a corporation because somebody saw me speak at a public event or at an association event. And, you know, and, and I have to admit, sometimes it can be a long row. Right now, I, I spoke in February at a, at a conference called the Ceilings and Internal Systems Contractors Association. And I am still doing follow-up with somebody who came up to me afterwards and said, I think I need to bring you in to talk to my, my field construction people so that they do a better job of communicating with themselves and with contractors. You know, and, and there are days, yep, I hit that eye roll of, oh, please. You know, uh, say yes or no. You just pick one. And I really don't care which one it is. But you know, every time I say, if this is not something you want, I don't want to pester you. And I'll, you know, just, just say no, and, and you won't hear from me again. And I get the, yes, yes, I know we need this. So you seed, you let people know that you are available to do these other things if they want to take a deeper dive into the things that you've shared because they see the worth for their own people. And then, once again, you have to be persistent. 
as a matter of fact, my one of my you, favorite line when I do follow up is persistent, just this side of rude. <laughs> how do you develop persistence and how do you play that just this side of rude? You know, and for me, like most speakers, I believe, and you can have a, a CRM system, a customer relationship management system where you're tracking everything. Uh, I've evolved to the point where that's what I have. Or you can just have a pipeline spreadsheet. And literally, I have on, because I have both. And in the pipeline spreadsheet, I've got the name of the person, you know, the, the date I met the person, the circumstances under which I met the person. So how did I get their name? Maybe it was a speaking engagement. Maybe it was referral. Maybe it was a showcase where I spoke from my own program, whatever. So track where it is that they, how they found out about you. Their name, their phone number, their email address. And then remember we were talking before about how we, we segment people. So is it an, you know, an organization I would love to work with and haven't worked with? Is it somebody who knows me but who has never worked with me? Is it somebody who has worked with me in the past and is not working with me now? Or is it somebody who is a current client? So I track you know, you know, who they are and then what type of program it is that they've asked about. So is it speaking? Is it coaching? Is it training? Is it something else? And what is the, the, the value of the program that we're talking about? And then I have a notes section which tracks all of the interactions that I have with them up to now. And most importantly, the first part of that note is in red, and that is when it is I'm going to reach out to them next. So I can take a look at my pipeline sheet and realize, you know, it said that this week I would contact you know, Emma Jones about, you know, this, you know, this association's program, and then I pick up the phone and call. Or I send an email. I, you know, whatever it is that I've, I've figured out from past contact, she likes to be contacted. That's the way that I reach out to her. And you know, it's, an, it's an easy tickler sheet, which reminds me, okay, some time has gone by. It's time for me to reach out to this person. Or it's time for me to take this person off the list because it's not going to happen. If somebody says, and, you know, and, and these are the people who, who are in sales and are, and are incredibly optimistic, and that's not necessarily me. The people who talk about every no is one step closer to a yes. I, on the other hand, have what I call the sunflower head moment, which is where there's been an opportunity and I'm so excited about doing something, and then I get the no and my head droops like a sunflower that's too heavy to hold up on its stalk. So that, I call those my sunflower head moments, and you know, and I have those. But at the same time, how many times have we been on the edge of something good and we've quit? So for me, it is okay. Take it to no, for sure, or take it to yes, for sure. And the things that are out there dangling, keep moving them in one direction or the other because there are few things worse when we're talking about business development or speaking program development of just having the people who never never give you either way and you keep calling them up. I call it the illusion of activity. So to make sure that I'm networking in the right places rather than just networking to network, making sure I'm calling the people who can actually hire me when I'm doing follow-up rather than just making a phone call, so having purpose and a goal behind all of the things I do. And once again, if I'm having the dark night of the soul, know who it is I need to call in order to feel better about this. 
and, and get that energy back so I can keep going. Or sometimes it's just freaking, okay, that's it for today. I'm going to go outside and walk around because I need to be in the sunshine. Do whatever it is you need to do to recharge yourself. And I, and I literally have on my desk a one sheet of all the things I can do if I'm not feeling particularly healthy about myself today, if I'm not feeling particularly optimistic. And, you know, and the list includes all of those things plus many more. Know what you need to do to be persistent, to recharge your batteries. And sometimes it's making one more phone call, and sometimes it's, okay, I need to get out of my office for the next hour so I can come back and be re-energized. Does that make sense? That, that makes so much sense, and so many people would think of, I have to have my nose to the grindstone. Going out for a walk is not what they would think about. They're thinking, i got to call more people. Money. Then they would build up more anxiousness and more desperation. But sometimes that walk and that break is exactly what's needed. Yep, there you go. That, that's the equivalent of, I really need this job. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing like desperation that turns off any possible opportunity. You know, and, and we've all been there. With everything that you've learned, what if what's one thing that's the top thing or one of the top things that stands out as a lesson learned in your career that you say, "Wow, I wish I would have known that earlier." Yeah, and and that truly is that most of the people for for whom okay, it is it is my actually no, let me take that back. The thing it took me a little longer to learn that I wish it hadn't was that. Speaking is not about me. Speaking is about my audience. When I first started speaking, I was actually working with a company called SkillPath. So once a month, I hit the road and they sent me all across the country training on such wonderful topics as finance and accounting for non-financial managers for people who were afraid of numbers. Yeah, don't you want to go to that one? And it was a two-day one for that matter. Mm. And so I remember when I first started I would stand there and think about, well, so what are my feet doing? What are my hands doing? Is, is the volume on my voice okay? I was really focused on me and my performance. And then one evening I went to see a documentary called Paperclips. And it was about a middle school in the South. And they decided they were going to do their class project on the Holocaust. And one of the students talked about they say that six million people were killed. I've never, I have no idea what six million looks like. And so the class decided that they would collect six million paper clips. And one of the interviews was the teacher who was in charge of, of running this program. And she said, I, you know, I didn't know anything about the Holocaust really before we started this project. And I was afraid I wasn't going to do a good job. And then I realized it's not about me. It's about what my students learn. And for me, the light bulb went off. It's not about me. It's about what's going on with the audience. Are they learning something? Are they engaged? You know, have they checked out? You know, what can I do to deliver value to those people? And I stopped being nervous about what I was saying or doing because I was so busy being focused on them, I wasn't paying attention to me. I knew my content the way most speakers do. And now that allowed me to change things up to make sure that I was presenting things in a way that, my, that was reaching my audience. So that was one of the, the really important aha moments I had. It's not about me. It's about the audience and making sure they get value. And ever since I've done that, 
you know, I, I haven't bombed. I'm grateful. But it, it truly is giving people something of value so that they can walk away with a new idea they can use right away. I think that's a perfect point to close on. Thank you so much for your time, Lynn. Hey, Mark, it's been a pleasure. And all of you who are listening, keep going. You have an important message to share. Find ways to share it. And when you're not feeling up to par, find somebody to can, who can support you or find a way to change your energy. Keep going. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to go to ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear other conversations about mentoring, marketing, and more.